hops, hops, hops. Hoppity hop, hop. Hops in my belly, <coughs> hops in my beer. It's my audio middle finger to lose. Beers and bitters, bitters and beers. Murder the most melons. Unique New York. Unique New York. Lucas Sellers. This sliced pork is so hot right now. Kevin Rocker. Alex, put your pants back on. to the fourth episode of Sauced on Beer, Bourbon, Barbecue. Thanks for joining us again. I'm your host, Kevin, and I'm joined here by my amazing two co-hosts, Alex and Lucas. Gentlemen. Sir, how's it going? Lucas, it's good to have you back this week. Yeah, I'm happy to be back. We missed you. Um, Lucas was doing a little bit of editing this week and saw all the lovely notes we left for him in our recording and it's fantastic. Hopefully at some point in time we'll have a uh, a little extra that you guys, listeners, can purchase or we'll give away or something of bloopers where we'll put all that. There's a whole lot of them. I can't wait for bloopers. So, um, today we've got an amazing... You can't wait for bloopers? I love a good blooper reel. Oh, okay. Is it a blooper reel when it's just audio? I would assume mm, so. I mean, yeah, because I mean, technically, the real term was because it was reels of tape, and analog audio was still reels of tape. So you know, we still call it a blooper reel. Awesome. Okay. Now that we're off on some strange tangent, um, we are going to talk today about Buffalo Trace Antique Collection, and. The Buffalo Trace Antique Collection is a fantastic collection of bourbon, and I guess rye whiskeys, if we're being being honest with ourselves. But we can we can kind of classify them as bourbons. I mean, there's three bourbons. There's three bourbons. It's kind of like the Holy Grail of bourbons. Would you? Would I would you say agree? as far as Buffalo Trace goes. Well, I mean, if we're being honest, then Pappy would be. The holy grail of bourbon, which is still Buffalo Trace. Correct. It's I'm, actually Stitzel Weller, which was bought by Buffalo Trace. Okay. So details. Now, as far as I know, and and my experience with bourbon in the bourbon community, the the highest caliber that I've heard people talk about has usually come back to the Buffalo Trace brands like George C. Stag. Pappy and and some of the other names we have on this list, so I'd I'd agree with that. I mean, there are so many good bourbons out there, but I feel like these are the ones that 
people want. Like, these are the... When we went on the distillery tour, Alex, I mean, they had glass cases of them, and I wanted to just punch my fist through the glass case, take it, and run. I don't think you'd get far. Probably not. I don't know. I've seen him chased out a truck before. That was amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He might have made it. (laughs) They also had a room with iron bars in front of the doorway with several bottles behind it as well. But just not the antique collection. There was... Like a ton of good stuff there back there. A lot of it. It was just taunting the us. Buffalo Trace Bourbon Vault. If you have not seen it, look it up. It is, I mean, just a little slice of heaven. I would agree, um, or I would say, not agree. If you guys agree with me, um, but so we're going to talk today about the Buffalo Trace Antique Collection. Um, it's that time of the year where it's starting to come out. Numbers are starting to come out. Um, it's really an exciting time. And the numbers are looking good for the antique collection. Um, there is a noticeable increase in four of the five mm-hmm. bottles. Um, and we'll kind of break each of them down as we kind of go through it. Um, but we are talking a little bit about what makes this so special. Like what makes the Buffalo Trace antique collection so special? And I think time is what makes it special i mean all these bourbons are i mean you've got 15 year old 12 year old there's one six year old 17 year old 18 year old bourbons that's i mean that took some time to plan out and i think that's what kind of makes them extra special um but we've got we've got a list of the bourbons in front of us. I'm just going to kind of run through. We'll talk about them a little bit, you know, whether it excites us, whether it doesn't excite us. So let's start with the George T. Stag. I think that's my most excitable one. That's the one I'm looking forward to the most. Um, this year, it's a 15-year-old bottle of bourbon. Um, it's a 64.6 proof. Uh, there were 309 barrels of it that they found. Uh and I think out of all of them, it is the highest, if I'm looking at my notes correctly, it's the highest increase of bourbon from previous years. Uh, they said that there was an increase of 28,877 more bottles than last year. So I think that's uh, pretty amazing. That was a lot of bottles. Especially based on the same number of barrels as last year. Yeah. Um, so this was a bot. It was distilled in 2002. Um, the evaporation loss was 54.03 percent. We talked about that a little bit, and I think that's amazing to think about. Half of what was distilled was lost to the Angel Share. Mm-hmm. I know, Alex, when we went to Buffalo Trace, we got to go see a room where they kind of had barrels that you could see into. There was like a plexiglass over it, and it showed you like when they filled up, the barrels filled all the way to the top. And as the years progress, it just gets a little bit less and a little bit less and a little bit less. And I think they had a bottle or a barrel in there that represented the Pappy 25 year. And what? There was just. It seemed like a couple drops in it. Right. It, it looked almost empty. And and it was almost empty compared to how much was in there. Which is why Pappy gets the amazing price tag of uh, what? I think I saw one going for 900 
$99, Alex, when we were out bourbon hunting, which was... Yeah. I don't remember ridiculous. which label that was, but... That was the... I think that was actually a Rip Van Winkle. Ten-year. Not even a Pappy. But yeah, that, I mean, I, there's no way I could pay that much. Convince my wife to let me pay that much. Plus, I won the lottery. Um, but Stag Junior, it's one of my kind of golden bottles I want to get. Um, something I'm very interested in. Would you guys be interested in it? I mean, I'd, I'd be interested in trying every single one of these. I would say the one for me looking at them that I'd be like, I'd really want to try that one would probably be the Eagle Rare. Just, and I think it's just because of the rarity of it's a higher year, but also this one that they yielded, I mean, they only had 36 barrels and only 10% of that got yielded. That's crazy. So, like, this year they only got just over 1400 bottles so kind of jumping into the statistics on the eagle rare it was distilled in spring of 2000 um it's got a proof of 90 which i feel is low but i'd be i'd be interested to taste it who's in there for a long time yeah uh it's 17 years three months they got a total of 36 barrels like Lucas said, um, they only got, or the evaporation loss was uh, 89.5%, and it's actually gone down quite a bit. They're only going to produce this year 1,461 bottles, which is 2,731 bottles less or less than last year. I wish we had the money to try and find one of these, just because I want to experience how hard it will be to actually get one of these bottles from this year. I feel like bourbon's a big enough thing, and especially with the hype that I've read about behind this antique collection, that I'm sure it's going to be pretty near impossible to find one of these bottles. I mean, there's only not quite 1,500 for the world yeah. for this release. Yeah. I mean, and I want to, I would love to do an Eagle Rare 17 compared to just an Eagle Rare comparison to see, like, what what is the difference between them. Um, I love my Eagle Rare. Um, that's my one bottle I tell you guys when you come over, you cannot have any of. <laughs> um, it, it's a little bit tougher to get up here in St. Louis. I know one place that sells it. I'm not saying what place because I don't want people to go steal my bottles of Eagle Rare. That's a good call. Is it my place? Uh, yes. Shh. Yes, Lucas, it's your liquor store. <laughs> no, I it's, wish I had a liquor store. It would not be profitable. No. <laughs> But I know uh, they have cool bottles. So something I noticed on the the facts of this one while we're on Eagle Rare, something we were talking about before the show started is the the Angel share, the evaporation that's lost while it's in the barrel, um, and just how it sounds like Lucas said you were reading a couple of articles that there's not a real concrete reason why it's lost and why how much is lost because looking at this one you know the eagle rare the 17 it's 17 years and three months lost almost 90 percent of what was in the barrels and comparatively the george c stag which we've already talked about 15 years so only two years younger but it only lost 54 percent like that's a big drastic jump in those two years for it to just be evaporation over time yeah 
Yeah, I mean, that's like what I was reading was like there is no way for them to predict how much is going to get lost and they can't figure out any way of getting an idea of what's going to be left at the end. And just, and just looking here, I'm looking at what warehouses the stag was pulled out of for Buffalo Trace. And it was pulled out of C, K, M, and Q. I've been to C. I think I've seen K, but I've never seen M or Q. And then the Eagle Rare was C, K, and P. Um, and warehouse C, if you've ever been to Buffalo Trace, is the large... It's the uh, OFC warehouse. It's one of the original ones. It's made of the limestone. Um, if you ever heard of their tornado batch, um, E.H. Taylor, that's the warehouse that the roof was ripped off of in the tornado and all the bourbon was exposed to the wind and the rain and the sun. And it's created this magical bottle that's very hard to come by. Um, but, I mean... Two of the warehouses are the same, so I wonder what what makes it different. Yeah, because because that was one thing you were talking about before. Uh, <clears throat> the floors that the George T. Stag is on is first, second, third, and sixth, and the Eagle Rare is first, second, and third. So it wasn't even as high. Yeah, that's it's interesting to see, you know, just the difference between those. So. I'm excited about those two. Let's jump in into the William Weller LaRue. Or William Lou William LaRue Weller. There you go. Oh my goodness. We did it. We did it, yes. <laughs> I need to pour some more bourbon for that one. <laughs> I'm enjoying a nice Eagle Rare pour right now. What are you guys drinking over there? Go. Well, my glass is currently empty, so I guess I'm gonna have to pick something new. Oh, what I were am... you drinking? I was drinking Elijah Craig's small batch. Okay. Which Kevin may not like a bit. It's I thought it was pretty good. It's an interesting one. I'm I'm not set on it. Lucas, what were you drinking over there? I am drinking Bullet Tenure. Which is a good bourbon. I think this is Alex's bottle. It is. Mm-hmm. Definitely good for the price. We found out too, that was one that we had to let air out a bit. Yes. The initial the initial night when we cracked it open was very heavy alcohol, not a lot else. It was and, very woody, too. Yes. Yeah, it was. And time definitely has helped this one. It's still not my favorite. I don't know if I'd go right back into this one if I had another $35 to spend, but it's definitely something I would get again someday. I like it, but I don't like it as much as I like the original Bullet. The Bullet Original Frontier is just fantastic. It's been a while since I've had that one. You bought that for my birthday. That bottle didn't last long. It was a small bottle, too. It was good, though. I want to get the barrel proof some point in time, and we can do a, a three by three tasting of them. That sounds great. So, all right, jumping back into the uh, William LaRue Weller. So, it was distilled winter of 2005. The barrel proof on it is 128.2. And it is a barrel-proof bourbon. It was bottled, or I'm sorry, it was barreled for 12 years, six months, and they're going to have about 55 or 155 barrels of it. Uh, they only lost about half of it due to evaporation, 54.08%, and it's gone up uh, compared to last year. It's gone up about 5,619 more bottles. So this year they're going to have 19,000. 
40 bottles, which I think is pretty good. Um, talking to a friend of mine down in Texas, Nate, shout out to Nate. Um, he's had some of this and he said this is his favorite antique collection bourbon. Um, Has he had a, other ones from the collection? Uh, I think he's had some stag, I want to say. But, I mean, I don't know how this compares to, like, the Weller 107 that we've had. Um, I mean, they both have the name Weller, so I know they're both weeded bourbons. I really like my 107. It's really good. Um, it's got a nice little high heat to it. I like to drop just a drop or two of water in it. Drop it down a little bit. Um, but I'd be interested in trying this. Yeah, for sure. And I think this one, uh, we get another interesting take on the, the evaporation loss to come back to that for a second. Because this one, as you said, 12 years, 6 months. So we're still 3 years younger just about from the George T. Stag, but at the same evaporation loss. And I'm just, I, I haven't given it much thought until now, but I feel like that's got to be probably pretty infuriating for the distillers trying to make any sort of estimate on sales and production and how to distribute this stuff to get to the barrels and i i don't i don't know how they can have any idea how much they're going to be able to promise for a year i wonder if they actually know and they just want to create this hype like oh are we going to have enough bourbon is it going to be you know enough for everybody and the answer is no no there's never enough i mean because the number of bottles that are coming out of any of these in the line is not enough to be promising distributors any amount of market to have. There's just not. Which Even is why as a combined isn't enough to distribute across the world. Which is why Buffalo Trace does so well with their um, distributing. They say you buy X amounts of our bottles of Buffalo Trace and other products, and we'll give you like one or two bottles of Pappy or Stag or. Something of that. I mean, the promise of getting a bottle is just, I think, is so exciting that just, you know, little shops are willing to spend and get 17,000 bottles of Buffalo Trace. I mean, I think that's just, I don't know. Buffalo Trace just does a good job marketing. They're smart about it. It annoys the heck out of me. Because it makes uh, you want it. Yeah. One more all the time. I know. Yeah, if you've never looked at their Instagram page, they, again, great job marketing. I, I love looking at their page. I love, too, that their whole tour, they have six tours now. I was looking that up last night. Six tours. They're all free. They all have good samples at the end of them. You get the Buffalo Trace. You get the White Dog. You get the Eagle Rare. Eagle Rare. Um, their vodka, their vodka is very good. Yeah, I'm not a big vodka guy, but I really like theirs. It's the Wheatley vodka, and it's, it's pretty yummy. My wife did so not unique. like it. It's unique. Um, I don't think there's many other distilleries out there that have a vodka. And really, I mean, they have them, but I don't think they market them like Wheatley vodka. Like that was like, hey, we've got this old still that sitting over there. What can we make on it? And Harlem Wheatley was like, well, we could do a vodka. And that's my best Harlem Wheatley impersonation. I'm sure that was spot on. It probably was. We could do a vodka. Now he's got the southern accent. You know? Right, and that's definitely what you did, too. He is their current distiller, Correct. right? Their master distiller. Correct. So 
it's kind of funny that he's their current master distiller, but none of these bottles for the antique collection were under his watch. Because they're, he's only been there, I think, oh, only a handful of years. I don't know off the top of my head, but... So all these are enough. previous previous distillers. Well, and it's funny because a lot of these were put in the barrel when I was still in elementary school. <laughs> That's really weird. <laughs> so we've talked about our stag. We've talked about Eagle Rare. We've talked about the Weller. Now we're going to talk about Handy. I'm not as excited about Handy. Um, I mean, it's it's an exciting one. The two of you are over there. Are you holding hands? No. Because we're talking about... We're getting handsy. Oh, handy with handsy? Handy. Handsy with handy? Um, so, Handy, Thomas H. Handy Sazerac, uh, spring of 2011 when it was when it was distilled. Uh, when it's going to be released, it will be 127.2 proof. That's a barrel proof. Six years, five months in the bottle or in the barrel, they're only getting 72 barrels of it. And the evaporation loss was only 27.2. So it is the smallest evaporation loss because it's the shortest amount of time. Um, this year, they're going to get 14,021 bottles, which is 2,077 more than last year. I'm not as interested in this one. Why not? I just, I'm not a big rye fan. The Angels weren't that interested either. <laughs> well, I mean, I think just because it's a six-year. I think it's just a six-year, not as exciting. Well, and I think you're right about the time, which definitely makes sense. But again, as we saw with some of the other ones, like, clearly time is not the only factor. Right. And apparently nobody knows what the other factors are. So I, I think Lucas is probably right there. The Angels love Eagle Rare, as do I. And they're not as big of fans as the other ones. And I think that, you know, I mean, they're getting, what do we say, 72 barrels? Yep. Is that correct? 72, 72 barrels. barrels they had, yeah. I think that, you know, it's just, I don't think as many people enjoy the rise. And I think that they want to try and keep it consistent year to year. I was listening to another podcast. They were talking about just trying to get all these bourbons consistently tasting. Because each year, you got to think that it's going to be a different proof. It's going to be a different taste. But... I wonder if that's a lot harder to keep like a consistent taste overall with it. Um, well, and back to something you said earlier, I wonder uh, on the difference between their rise and their bourbons, I wonder how much of that is marketing, like you talked about before. Um, I know right now we're in the uh, the bourbon boom, and you know how much can you attribute that to distillers pushing bourbon versus... No actual public opinion, and and you know I I do love bourbon, so that's probably part of it. But I've also not had many ryes. I think I've actually only had one that I can remember, which is Bullets Rye, which I did enjoy. That was a while ago. I I need to have more though, so I can develop an opinion of my own. But I'm, I'm sure some of that is what is being um, pushed in the advertisements. And this is actually just a hand picked barrel, so it's not like these are. So there are more barrels out there, but these are the ones that fit the handy, um, I guess, brand. Um, taste profile. Yeah, taste profile. Um, I mean, sure, if I could get a bottle and try it, I'd be all up for trying it. But I don't know if I would pay 
the secondary price or you know the extra price to get it. I mean, I'd rather save it and put it towards a stag. Um, so the last antique collection we're going to talk about is Sazerac. Um, Sazerac is uh, was distilled spring of 1998, so I believe it is the oldest out of all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a 90 proof. It came off the still at 135, entered the barrel at 125. Uh, they only have 53 barrels of it, and it's all from Warehouse K, which I thought was interesting. Um, and I'm sorry, they only have 53 liquid gallons of it, not barrels. They only have 25 barrels of it. And again, that's a hand-picked uh, barrel. This year, they're going to have 2,637 bottles. That's an estimate. But it's 50 more bottles than last year. I think I think that's interesting that, you know... All of these have gone up so much, but that's only gone up by 50 more bottles. Well, and some of that, I'm sure, is obviously the number of barrels, and I don't know how they determine how many barrels they want. I'm assuming it's mostly the the taste profile, that these barrels hit the taste that they wanted, and they didn't want to get into any of the others. But I think also some of that is just how much is lost to evaporation once you get to this age there's just not going to be that big a difference. You don't have that much to put in bottles. And that was a 72.7% loss to evaporation. So pretty high, kind of like the uh, Eagle Rare, but they were still able to get 50 more bottles out of it. So that's interesting. I think the whole antique collection has a interesting kind of lore to it. Um, I think it's amazing that all of them are kind of They've got such an interesting history behind all of them as well, too. Um, like, Stag was the partner of E.H. Taylor um, until Stag bought E.H. Taylor out. Because E.H. Taylor, from what I've read, is not a very good business guy. Um, he, he wanted to make all the most up-to-date uh, distillery features and all that. Kind of made the modern distillery way ahead of its time and... Just lost money. I know, Alex, that's a huge pet peeve of yours is losing money. I hate losing money. Um, I want to make money. <laughs> so, I mean, I think Stag is probably the most notable out of all those, like most famous. Well, and I love that also, the history behind these, because most of these are named after people. Right, And right. people that have had a huge impact on not just this distillery, but the bourbon and whiskey market in general. I mean, most of these people were working in uh, mid-late 1800s, early 1900s. I mean, these are old names that have had so much go behind what what they do. And I think Buffalo Trace does such a good job of recognizing their past, even today. I mean, you've got Elmer T. Lee, um, who was a distiller there, which is another bottle I would love to get my hands on. But... um, I mean, I just I think the stag, George T. Stag is kind of the one that stands out the most to me. Uh, the William uh, Larue Weller, I mean, that's another famous distiller. Um, I thought it was interesting reading that his bourbon was so popular, he had to put his thumbprint in green ink on invoices and barrels to like ensure to his customers that this is like legit Weller bourbon i wonder how they could tell that that was his thumbprint i don't know 
I mean, I mean, what year was it? Uh, he was alive 1825 to 1899. I'm not sure when fingerprinting was being used and stuff, but it sounds like it could have been proven around that time. Really? And Weller was actually added in 2000 to the antique collection. So it's interesting, you know, that like in 2005, it was reintroduced as an uncut barrel-proof wheat bourbon and is currently the oldest age barrel-proof wheat bourbon in the U.S. market. And the wheat bourbon is what they use to kind of make pappies. I mean, they say, I mean, it's the same mash bill that kind of goes into making pappies Van Winkle. So you're kind of, if you take a bottle of Weller and save it for 23 years, could it become a pappy? I don't think once it's in that bottle, but. I don't know. We have to look into that a little bit more. Um, So for me personally, I was kind of thinking about, okay, if I had the opportunity to get all five of these bottles what would be the order i'd want to try them in i think i'd want to start with the stag then move on to my weller then move on to the eagle rare and then it'd just kind of be a a toss-up sazerac or handy i guess the sazerac because it's an 18 year old bourbon i think that's kind of the lore of that one you know that this bourbon's almost i mean i guess it's I'm older than it still, but I mean, I don't know. The 18 years is just exciting for me. I was thinking the same thing. And now that you say that, so before before I go into that, um, my order, my top choice is, it's almost tied between the Eagle Rare and the George T. Stag. I'm going to have to say the Eagle Rare just because I love the tenure. I love mm-hmm. it, and I really want to try that 17 someday. But the George Cheese Stag has had such a hype around it from my experience. And um, after the sample of the Stag Junior that we had a couple months ago, and that was really good for the small sample that we had, I, I definitely want to try more of that. So those two are at the top. And then um, I have to put the the William LaRue Weller right after that just because I'm still a bourbon guy. Um, and then the 18-year, the and then finally the the Handy. But I think it's noteworthy that... The Handy is in this antique collection, but it's so much younger than all the other bottles. Right, right. And just reading about the history of it, that was the hardest one to kind of understand the history of why it's an antique, why it fits in the antique collection. Um, Handy kind of led to the creation of Sazerac. Um, Handy was a, he invented a cocktail with his bourbon in it and I don't know. That was the toughest one for me to research and kind of find out how it fit in here. What was its connection to Buffalo Trace? The rest of them were clear. um, Eagle Rare being the oldest. Um, I think that was 1989 when it was introduced. Um, So, overall, I think think it's pretty interesting. Lucas, do you have an opinion on which one you'd want to try first? I know you're not as much a bourbon guy as Alex and I. I... I would probably start youngest and go oldest. Probably just to save the oldest ones for last to to have a to have the age go through it to see if I can notice the difference as much as I think I would be able to. So I would I think I'd start which whichever one was youngest and go go so through go, it. S- what was it? Handy. So the, the handy handy Sazerac 
No. Or I Andy just, Weller. LaRue, the Stag, then the Eagle Rare, and then the Sazerac will be last. Yeah. That's an interesting way to look at it. So, the antique collection is not easy to get. It's difficult to find them. Most liquor stores get one or two bottles. They keep them. I know there's a place here in St. Louis that's getting bottles, and if you join their bourbon club and spend like 300 and something dollars a year at their store, they'll give you a ticket for a raffle to get a bottle. And I don't know. Man, it's a lot. It sounds so exciting. It, it sounds exciting, but like it just sounds like a lot. And then you get the stores who are like, we'll give you, we're going to release these at 7 a.m., and you get the line of people around the door. And I've heard a lot of people say, you know, you get the people online who are like, oh, I'm going to sell this on the secondary market for $700, $800. And it's like, it's so disappointing. Like, just give it to the people that just really want to drink it. I get that, except like, whenever I went to Force Friday, there were definitely a couple people who were probably there to buy all of the limited release stuff to turn it and sell it. And whereas that's something you hate to see, that's just the way the world works. So, I mean, as long as you're getting your bottle or you're getting whatever it is you're going after, if somebody's not as into it as you, they're into some part of it at least. I'm not going to lie. I'd be really tempted to, to resell it with some of the markups you can get. For that's, that's a good point. <laughs> I mean... If I could get, like, it, there are two bottles in here that I'd absolutely love to have. So, Which two? if I could buy them, I would say the the Stag and the Eagle Rare. So, if I could buy them all, keep those two, and then sell the remaining. Would you give me a friend's discount on that Weller? Sure. Yes. I'd only mark it up 100%. Instead of 200%. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's fair. Yeah, um, definitely. So, I mean, it, that would fund the, the ones, my purchases, plus if I could sell them for $700, I mean, that would fund my purchases of this release every single year for right a while. But that's, other... if, that's if you can find them, too, for MSRP. I mean, they all go for 90 bucks is what the suggested price is. But No way you could ever find them for 90 no, bucks. No, you're not going to yeah, find it for 90 bucks. Unless you win some raffle. I've seen a bunch of raffles where you buy tickets and then you get the opportunity to buy a bourbon um, at price, at cost. I just, I don't know. We're going to have to try that. Maybe next year. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe we can pull enough money to have a chance to buy one of them and then just just to see if we can. I mean, I think we'd be better off buying a Stag Jr. and just enjoying that. We could do that too. I mean, that's my goal. I just want to have enough to buy a Stag Jr. Aren't you getting a Stag Jr.? Uh, hopefully. That'll hopefully. be exciting. Yes. So, we were reading more to research the NT collection, and uh, Kevin, I think you found this article on Breaking Bourbon, which, if you've never been on Breaking Bourbon, it's a great website. If you enjoy bourbon want to learn more about it, uh, they've got a pretty good review system. And they have an article on there that talks about the antique collection, and they have a list of alternatives. So if you really want to get somewhere close to a similar experience to some of these bottles but can't seem to find them, which 
as we've said before, is probably going to be really hard to do. Uh, they've got some recommended bottles that will give you, uh, in their opinion, close to the same experience for some of these. Um, and most of these, I haven't had either, but I've heard of a lot of them. So for the Eagle Rare 17, their alternative of choice is Barter House. Which is a Diageo Orphan Barrel brand. So that one, still $70, $90.2 proof. Which I think is weird that they just didn't do Eagle Rare. I know. It makes me wonder how different the taste is between the 10 and the 17 year. Yeah. Because even in the even after that of their recommended alternative, they have one to two other options if you can't find the alternative. And so Eagle Rare 10 year isn't even on that list. They recommend I.W. Harper's 15 year or... Uh, Blanton's original, which I have had that one, and that one is amazing. Yeah, I, I mean, I enjoy the Blanton's. I think it's very good. Um, I think it's a little overhyped. I mean, it's it's a good bourbon. It's a good single barrel bourbon, but I don't know. I guess maybe if I just own my own bottle of it. Yeah, you're just jealous. I, I, I enjoy Alex's occasionally, and <laughs> I've gone out and gotten a pour of it at some bars, and just honestly my favorite thing about it is just the bottle presentation oh yeah it's the shape the the horse at the top and if you're not familiar with it on on the top of every blanton's bottle they have a um a horse and rider to represent the kentucky derby and just below there that um i guess you call it a mini statue i feel like there's a better word for that they've got the cork yes on on top of that they've got a letter um for Blanton's. Does it go out to the S? Do you know? Uh, I think so. I think it does. So they've got the the horse and rider are in a different running position. If you took a couple pictures while a horse was running by, and they've got a letter to represent each different one. So you could get a different cork topper, or I guess that would be eight? I think seven, so. Seven or eight? Now, there's people who actually just buy the cork toppers. Like you can just go buy them. I don't know you and can spell do that. out Blanton's. I don't think that's ex- exciting. It's cheaper. It's definitely cheaper. But I don't think it's exciting. Oh uh, no, no way! I want the what do you have? with them. I've got the L. Okay, because I know when I was looking, and it's cool because each of the horses, compared to the letter, has the rider in a different position. So it looks like the horse is galloping. If you spell all of Blanton's, um, I know when I was getting your bottle. When your wife asked me to get one, Alex. When Anna told me. I tried to get you a B because I thought, you know, like, this is the first part of it. But they only hit an L. Oh, that's a bummer. I know. That's all right. We'll just have to start a B next. I think I have an N. And I just have a topper. I got it when I was at Buffalo Trace. Um, my wife and I, when we go on vacations, we buy little keepsakes as, like, an ornament for our Christmas tree to kind of remember our travels. and um, So I think I have an N for mine. Yeah, we'll have to finish that off. So going down the rest of this list um, of alternative choices, for the George Cheesestag, their alternative recommendation is the E.H. Shaler Barrel Proof, which we've had E.H. Shaler's small batch, and that was a great bottle. That was... I was so excited when I bought that bottle, and it was such a good price. It's funny that that night when we had a couple different bottles, how... We didn't know that we were getting such good bottles, but we just happened to get some. We were so newbies. <laughs> we we lucked out there. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really interested to see how the 
barrel proof compares. That'll probably be something we get someday. It's priced at about seventy to eighty dollars, which I'm totally fine playing with. You know, that's I feel like a fair price for that. Oh yeah, it's just finding it. I think it's a tough part. Yeah. Yeah. So next, the Sazerac eighteen. Well, let's back up real quick. So if you can't find the barrel proofy EH two R, the Booker's and then the Elijah Craig barrel proof. And like we said earlier, Alex, you were drinking the small batch, and I don't really enjoy the small batch. I don't I know what it, it is about it. Just there's just something in it that I don't enjoy. Lucas, do you remember trying the small batch? I think you liked it. I think the last time. I do believe that is correct. I I, would, I don't remember why I liked it and you didn't. Right. I just I feel like there's such a amazing hype around the Elijah Craig stuff. And I feel bad for not liking it, but I just... <laughs> no shame. No shame. Yeah. That's, the, I'd rather that's drink, the beautiful thing about whiskey. You can like what you want. I'd rather drink the Taylor. Yeah, the, and so of those two alternatives, I've had a sample of the Booker's before. and Was that at the Stillhouse you had? Or No, that's... Uh, that was at the Jim Beam Taste Experience. Yeah, the Stillhouse. Down in still Louisville. House. Yeah. Louisville. Louisville. Um, Again, I'm surprised here, too, they don't have Stag Jr. on this list. I know, right? Like, I think that would be the best comparison to Stag. Well, well I mean, if you haven't had... Have you had Stag? I've not had Stag. I've had two samplings of Stag Jr. There's got to be something that's a big enough difference. So They're doing, not going to come out with two barrels that taste... The, or two well, I mean, that Stag Jr. is younger. It's half the time of Stag... It's going to change the taste a lot. I don't know. Do we know that Stag Jr. is the same recipe as yes. George C. Stag? Okay, yes. it's the same. So they sample out the barrels halfway through it, I believe, for Stag Jr. And that's what, or for Stag. So at like the six-year, seven-year mark, they find the Stag barrels and they, they kind of take some of it out of it. And that's how they get your Stag Jr. Gotcha. So, Sazerac, 18-year. Go ahead, Alex. Sazerac, 18-year. Their recommendation. So, Sazerac, again, is one of the two ryes in the antique collection. So, their recommendation is Pixville's rye, which is a, a Heaven Hill product priced at about $50 to $60. So, that's uh, a, a fairly decent price if, if you like ryes. Again, I can't really speak to that. I haven't had enough. Um, the other ones that they recommend, um, if you can't find that one, are High West Rendezvous rye. And E.H. Taylor's rise, so E.H. Taylor making its way onto this list again. I think it's funny. The High West, I think, is out of Montana. It's out of the western part of the United States. Oh, really? I don't think it's a Kentucky bourbon, I don't think. I, well, I mean, it's a rye, first of all, so it's not a bourbon, but a whiskey. So, I don't know. I'll have to look that up while we're continuing on. So For sure. So, next is the William LaRue Weller. That really is very hard to say. Uh, their recommendation, if you can't find that, and this is one that I really want to get a bottle of, is Maker Marks, Maker's Marks Cast String. We've had that. We have had that. It was really good. Um, this one, I know, at least in our area, is really easy to find. I see it all over the place. Um, it says there, fair price on this one is about 50 to $60. I think I've seen it price even as low as a little over $40, $45. So, real quick, going back, I just looked up the High West Distilleries out of Park City, Utah, which is crazy for it coming out of Utah, with as strict as Utah and 
you know, with the Mormons and all that is. I don't know. Like, I have a friend that lives in Utah. And he's like, there's no good alcohol here. Interesting. I, I didn't yeah, know that the I market like, would be limited because of them. Yeah, and I feel like that's only a part of Utah. That's not the entire Salt Lake City. Yeah, it's not the entire state. I don't know. There's a lot of Mormons that live there. Nothing <laughs> against the Mormons. I mean, go ride your bikes and knock on the doors. and They just don't appreciate good alcohol. And that's okay. Yeah, well, that that's there's more for the rest of us. Okay. That's fine. So, you were talking about the well. Sorry, I... No, so, it's fine. So, yeah, the other alternatives there, um, if you can find the cast strength of Maker's Mark, they also recommend Maker's 46 cast strength, which apparently you can only get in Maker's Mark's gift shop. Um, and then the other one off there is um, Old Weller Antique 107. So Ooh, this is the first that's time. That's one I've got. Is that the one you have? Yeah. And you know what? I'm going to go pour some of that. You keep talking about it. All right, that sounds great. So this is the first time on the list we're actually getting a... Um, what I'm guessing, I don't know for sure, a younger version of the antique collection as the recommended alternative. I'm assuming it's the same Asheville. I don't know. Do you know? For what? For the Old Weller Antique 107. I would assume so. It makes sense. You got an empty glass over there? I sure do. Alright. Lucas? No, I'm good. So, is Weird. this the, yeah, right. the last one on the list um, of alternatives? Thank you very much, Joe. Is the Thomas H. Handy alternative is Redemption Rye Barrel Proof. So Redemption Rye is one I've heard a lot about. Again, never tried. Um, it's fair price from sixty to ninety dollars. That's a pretty big range. Huh? That's a huge range. <laughs> Proofed at one twenty to one thirty. Uh, see the other ones. If you can find that, they recommend Willet Rye, or also a Smooth Ambler Rye, um, single barrel or barrel proof. Now, it's important to say, though, about the Smooth Ambler Rye, that their private barrel program has put, been put on temporary hold. So, if you find a Smooth Ambler Rye single barrel pick or barrel proof, you should just buy it. Like, from what I've heard from people, it's not going to be around much longer. Hmm. Buy so they it restart. Yeah. The Willet is interesting too i would love to try a willet um i know it's tough to get here in missouri it's more of a kentucky area um i mean i think i think that i mean i'd try a willet i've not had anything against them i've i think their stuff is good their rowan's creek that i have is pretty good a little young but I'm interested. What do you think of your uh, Weller over there? It's definitely higher proof than we've had in a while. Mm-hmm. Only a 107, but yeah, you can feel that that heat difference from all I've had today was the Elijah Craig small batch at 94 proof. So, so I definitely think the Weller would be a terrible one to start with. Like definitely, I think it's too high. I want something to kind of loosen me up, like in the chest a little bit. You know, would be not a good jumping off point. Well, and it's funny you say that. I want to do an episode someday where we we get someone who's never had any alcohol before and see what we can get them to like. I had a friend over the other day who's never had anything. And just to see how he'd react, I gave him uh, a small sample of uh, the Four Roses small batch that I had and tried to walk him through the tasting, the proper smelling, and... He just could not handle it. All he could smell was the alcohol, and I even got him to try it. <laughs> he wasn't having it, so I, I think 
whiskey in general is probably not the place to start so many. I'm kind of glad we didn't start with whiskey on our alcohol journey. I just, I think I would have been completely turned off by it. I, I, it takes time to grow into it. Well, and I think I said this in one of our earlier episodes. I feel like if I didn't have you guys who already appreciated it to walk me through learning how to appreciate it, I probably wouldn't have tried more than the one or two samples that I had. So the last thing that Breaking Bourbon kind of talks about, they did a bonus pick at the end. And it's a bourbon that Alex, when we went down to Buffalo Trace, we actually saw them uh, bottling this. It's the Blanton's Straight from the Barrel uh, bottle. And it's I believe it's the gold bottle. Oh, yeah, I remember that. And they don't sell it here in the United States. It's so unfair. I know. And they tease uh, us like that. 125 to 150 bucks. I think that would be a great bottle to add to the antique collection. Wait, so where do they sell it if it's not sold in the U.S.? Japan, Europe, Caribbean. Uh, Any certain reason? I don't remember what they said. I'm trying to think. I stopped at, you don't sell this here, and I was just pouting the rest of the time. I tried to take a box of it, but Megan, my wife, was like giving me the death eye I think some of the guards were giving you the death eye too it's not fair at all but I think that would be a great one for an addition the only especially if they made it here in the available here in the United States I don't think I'd want them to add anything else to the antique collection because I think it would make it too hard to get it then well and then you know if you've got 15 or 20 bottles in the antique collection you can't hype that up. That's just too many. Right. It's not as exciting to have that much. So, I think the Antique Collection is a great unicorn. Bottles for us. Lots of great wanting to get them and all that. Lots of excitement around it. I definitely like this article by Breaking Bourbon of some alternatives to it. Um, want to give a shout out to Breaking Bourbon because they did a lot of research on just the antique collection, helping everybody kind of understand it. They made some great infographs. Um, if you haven't checked out their website, definitely check it out. Um, I think we're going to move on now. We're going to try some bottles and bond. That's going to be our, our last segment today. We decided, rather than bring up a whole bunch of articles and all that, we just want to drink some bourbon today. So we're going to dive into some bottle bonds. We got some great... Bottles in front of us. We tried Old Granddad in our first episode. We're going to try it again. We've got Evan Williams bottled in Bond. Lucas brought over the worst bottle in Bond, one you shouldn't ever buy, the Henry McKenna <laughs> bottle. Um, we'll yeah, talk about it, why it's it on the terrible and you shouldn't buy it. and Just don't buy it, ever. <laughs> so we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back in a second. Remember, this is sauced on beer, bourbon, and barbecue. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. 
If you're interested in seeing what beer, bourbon, and barbecue was up to before we started a podcast, you can see all the exciting adventures on Instagram at beer underscore bourbon underscore BBQ. Make sure you subscribe to stay up to date on the show and our adventures outside of podcasting. Be sure to check out our cool shirts and stickers available on our website, shopbeerbourbonbbq.com. And we are back from our break where we sampled some fine bottles and bond bourbon. Um, we got a great lineup tonight. Uh, we've got some Evan Williams bottle and bond. We've got old granddad, old granddad bottle and bond. Uh, I had one drop of E.H. Taylor small batch bottled in bond. Literally one drop. Literally one drop. And it was amazing. He didn't share. I wouldn't share. And then Lucas was kind enough to bring over a bottle of Henry McKenna bottled in bond. Henry, or <laughs> Lucas. Well, Henry, I guess, is my favorite person. But Lucas is my second favorite person right now. Sorry, Kevin. I know. I know. It's usually you, but he just keeps bringing this amazing bottle over, and it doesn't get old. If that is the only bottle of bourbon you ever bring over, ever again, I would be semi-okay with that. Unless it's an antique collection, or another bottle of E.H. Taylor, or some other stuff. Maybe. Are you kidding? If I bring any bourbon to your house, you're going to be fine. This is true. Yeah, for real. <laughs> this is a true statement. <laughs> so, Bottled and Bond. We've wanted to talk about it for a while. Um, I think it's some of our favorite bourbon. It's the best price bourbon um, for what you're getting. <clears throat> it's not terribly hard to find. There's some that are a little bit more difficult than others. A little bit. I mean, I think some of the E.H. Taylor stuff is a little bit more challenging to find. Um, but in the realm of hard-to-find bourbons, I wouldn't put any of these in there. No. Especially not when we just finished talking about the antique collection, which are closer to impossible to find rather Correct. than hard to find. Correct. Um, I know we'll get into kind of what makes a bubble and bond in a minute, but I know like... The Evan Williams bottle and bond. We heard originally that it was just in Kentucky uh, when we went down a few months ago. And then we got back to St. Louis. And where was the first place we saw it? I don't... Oh, it was the secret place by Lucas's house that we're not saying where it's at because uh, that's yes. where I can find my Eagle Rare. Mm-hmm. Yep. We saw it there. And I think I about had like a brain aneurysm when I saw it. Like, I was so excited, just filled with joy that they had this bottle and bond. And then there's another liquor store down the street from me that's got it now. Um, Total Wine and More starting to carry it. And that's when you know it's kind of hit the national market when Total Wine and More carries it. Um, I love it. It is a great $12, 13 what. Less than fifteen dollar. Twelve to fifteen. Yeah, less than fifteen dollar bottle of bourbon. That's just amazing. Mm-hmm. It really is. Um. Well, let's go through. Let's start talking. What makes a bottle and bond? Definitely. So, I love the the history behind some of these things, especially with uh, bourbon in general, just because it's really shaped a culture. From so many years ago. So the Bottled and Bond started in 1897 with the Bottled and Bond Act. 
And the point of the act was to protect people from phony whiskey. So at the time, if you were buying whiskey, you were going to a bar, typically. Um, or a saloon, yeah. I guess, yeah. Because back then, I don't think even at that time, whiskey was traditionally put in glass bottles for people to just buy and take home. That Correct. was not the norm. And so you would have to go to a bar or saloon and order it off, I guess, their tap at the time or just right out of the barrel. But what was happening is some bars who extend their profit margin a little bit were adding stuff to the whiskey. Um, some stuff like water, sugar, stuff like that. Some some harmless stuff, but some other stuff like um, tobacco juice and like turpentine. Use tobacco juice. Yes, yes. Um, I think we read too... One of the distillers used peanut husks to yes. give the bourbon its color. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of some pretty nasty stuff going in there, and not only were people being cheated, but they were they were getting sick. Some people were getting poisoned. It, it was a problem, and so they decided to lobby for, and the government put through the Bottled and Bond Act. There was one person that lobbied for it. Who was I think that? we need to bring his name up because he is, I would say, the Godfather. I'm pouring a little bit of Evan Williams' bottle and bond so we can enjoy that while we're trying. But the Godfather of bottle and bond, Mr. E.H. Taylor. The Colonel E.H. Taylor. I don't think he was actually a legitimate military colonel. I think he's a Kentucky colonel. Like Colonel Sanders. Finger looking good. They just hand those out down there. No, they don't <laughs> hand those out down there. You have to do something great like create bottle and bond bourbon or delicious fried chicken. Both are amazing. But you get to kernel yourself. It's not like... <laughs> I don't know how it works. <laughs> I think we should find out. We should. Alex, I would like you to go figure out how to become a colonel. Okay. A Kentucky colonel, so we can call you Colonel Warner. I love that idea. I think that's fantastic. That'll make a great episode, too. Okay. So, so I'm sorry. Anyway. I just thought we need to bring him up. We do. He's... he's the push behind this. And he should be, and that's a great uh, representation of what we have here, and we'll talk more about it later, because he has, um, in his namesake, a great line of bottled and bond bourbons. So, before we get into that, they put through the act, and these are the um, the requirements, the legal requirements to be able to call um, your whiskey bottled and bond. And I say whiskey because it doesn't have to be bourbon. And um, this was something that I learned new. It's not just bourbon. It is any um, barrel-aged spirit made in the U.S. So it could be brandy. It could be a rye whiskey. It it could be bourbon, obviously, because that's what we're talking about. So it doesn't just have to be bourbon. It could apply for anything. So So for it to be bourbon, though, it's got to follow the bourbon laws plus more. So that being said, bourbon is already very, very restricted in how it's defined. So a bottled and bond bourbon is probably one of the most restricted spirits probably in the world. I like how Bernie Lubbers says it. He says that it is the Green Beret, the Navy SEAL. It is the top dog general bourbon like not general like general population but like in charge bourbon i think he does the best explanation of it i think you're going to do a great explanation too alex thank you but i mean it is his job to do that oh and he's doing a great job of it and and yeah like he says this this has all the merit badges 
um, a lot of people, especially people who don't quite know what they're talking about yet, and nothing against them because I was once such a person. We still are such persons. We, we, we really just have are. a little bit of an education. So we're growing. We're getting better. Um, but they'll they'll go into a liquor store and just uh, look at a label and they'll look for something that looks cool. Uh, and without really taking into mind what it says, like for example, I just poured a little bit of our old granddad bottled and bond, and at first glance, I was not interested in it because the label is not—it's not real appealing as far as an aesthetic point of view, which is really what our marketing is nowadays. I think when we went and bought that bottle, you and I were together, Alex. We were looking for a bottle. Um, I had a little bit of extra cash. I saw it, and I was really excited. I don't think you were as excited about it. You had just bought the old Granddad 114. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of remember you giving mixed reviews on the 114. The 114 is good, and I think that was another one that needed a little bit of air just because of the higher proof, which is 114. Um, I love it in old fashions. Yeah. Uh, just because, again, the higher proof keeps that flavor through the drink. But I think this bottle and bond is better than that 114. I think it's got a better taste. I know you're sampling it right now over mm-hmm. there. Uh, I just poured some Evan Williams bottle and bond. Lucas, you were working on some Henry McKinnon. Uh, we all tried Henry McKenna. McKenna. Uh, uh, I'm going to apologize right now to Mr. Henry. I'm going to get it wrong. <laughs> Just for the rest of your life. Just for the... Henry McKenna. McKenna. Uh, uh, you'll listen to our first podcast, and Lucas texted me the day after. He's like, do you not know how to say his name correctly? <laughs> you edit an N every single time. I can't edit it out. You're just going to sound stupid for the rest of this podcast. And so, well, <laughs> before we get more into what we're drinking, and we can talk all day about them. Yeah. Let's let's get into the actual rules. So Perfect. Sorry. So, this is just bottled and bond. This isn't bottled and bond bourbon. We're not going to talk about the bourbon rules. So, just bottled and bond. Um, 100% of the liquid must be distilled in the same distilling season, um, which isn't that big a deal, but again, restrictions there. Uh, the distilling has to be done by a single distillery, so we're, we're not sourcing, we're not blending, we're not doing anything else. So, this is just one distillery. So, Buffalo Trace is making Buffalo Trace. Jim Bean is making Jim Beam. Uh, Evan Williams is making Evan Williams. You got it. Uh, bottled and bond has to be aged at a minimum of four years. So keep in mind, this isn't a single barrel. These are blended batches, but by the aging laws, it has to be, if you're putting an age statement on it, it has to be aged at the youngest barrel in the blend. So at the youngest, it has to be four years uh, many of the bottles we're trying are, are older than four years, but minimum four years, so you know you're getting a good good age there, a, a decent age. Yeah. Um, it has to be bottled at 100 proof, so 50% alcohol by volume. It can't be 50.5%, can't Nothing. be 50.1%, it has to be 50%. I think exactly. that's incredible. I think it makes it light enough to where that a newbie can try it, but at the same time, it doesn't. it's not an 80 proof. Like, it's not... It's got a kick to it, and mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, next, the label must clearly state the distillery who made it, um, down to even the number of the, the house it was made, I think you were saying, Lucas? Yeah, so it's got to have... 
the maker has to be on there, but also, like, because you can source. Like, you could have somebody else do your stuff for you, and you can bottle it. But you have to list out what house it was. The DSP number is what it is. Yeah, the DSP number has to be listed. So even if even if this was a Evan and Williams bottle, it doesn't necessarily have to be done at an Evan and Williams house. It could be done somewhere else. You just have to list that that's where it was. Gotcha. And DSP, I'm gonna, just real quick, because I, I know some people don't know what that is. Maybe this is your first time in a bourbon. DSP is Distilled Spirit Plant. Uh, if you look up, if you get a bottle of bourbon, you look up the DSP, it will tell you exactly where it came from. Evan Williams is DSP KN or KY1. That is the first distillery in Kentucky. So they're number one. Um, but every bottle has a unique DSP number on it. So the final regulation is that bottled and bond whiskey or, or whatever it is cannot have anything added to it other than pure water. So once it is distilled and put in the barrel, you can't add anything else to it aside from water. And so we still have distilleries, and, and again, nothing wrong with this adding additives to to add some color, to add some flavor to it, which is fine. Um, but that's what makes Bottled and Bonds so much more unique, is that the only thing that's being added to it is water. So those are the regulations. Again, it doesn't have to just be whiskey or bourbon. It could be any distilled spirit. <clears throat> um, but, again, all, all of the merit badges. So if you're looking, and, and that's something that we talked a little bit about, I think, in our first podcast, why reading the label is so important. Because you can learn a lot about what's inside the bottle. It's not just marketing. Well, I guess it is a little bit marketing. It is marketing. It's definitely marketing. Um, <clears throat> but it's not just the story on the back either. Right. And I think that's what trips a lot of people up is they read the story on the back of the bourbon and they think, or whatever you're drinking, the whiskey, mm-hmm. the vodka, the rum. And I think that's what drives people into it. I mean, I think there's a bottle out right now. Um, oh, it's a Jim Beam bottle. I don't know it off the top of my head, but it's the guy who taught jim beam how to distill it's a slave i don't remember his name i think it's like ezra maybe something like that um but the whole story behind it they don't know if it's 100 percent true but they think it i mean some people i've read says it's a marketing ploy to get you to buy this bottle because it's like the guy who supposedly taught jim beam everything he knows you know mm-hmm. so i don't know i mean yeah it's it's definitely marketing but like you said compared to that it is verifiable fact mm-hmm. what these regulations are they have to be that they're they're government regulated they have somebody on premises to verify that all of these things are being followed and the history behind it um, i think is pretty interesting because for a long time people didn't really care about bottle and bond when it came into effect back in 1897 it was really important because again for the reason they put it in place mm-hmm. was to protect the consumer from not knowing what they're getting they had, and it was interesting, we went and uh, toured, it was Woodford Reserve, mm-hmm. and part of the tour showed us the the little house that the government official lived in. Like, he was there on site, living there 24-7 to make sure, you know, they're paying their taxes properly. Um, but they had someone on site to verify everything that they're doing was proper so that they could put this on their bottle. And that made a big difference. But after a while, after some of those... Um, problems were ironed out and the the bar saloons, the whole 
whiskey industry got a little more sophisticated, it kind of started falling by the wayside. It wasn't as important. And it's starting to pick up again um, in the bourbon boom that we're in especially um, because it's in such high demand. A lot of bourbons and probably other whiskeys, uh, but bourbons especially, are... The, the demand is so high that the distilleries are starting to cut out age statements specifically. Um, I was reading that um, Knob Creek for a long time had a nine-year. It was a nine-year age statement on the bottle, and that's something they started to do away with because the demand is so high. They still wanted to get their product on the shelf, um, but they just couldn't wait as long. So they started blending a, maybe some barrels in there that were a little bit younger, and they had to take that age statement off there. I think, and if you look at it too, like the Eagle Rare, the age statement, and I was on the back of it. The Elijah Craig small batch. They went from a single barrel to a small batch, and it used to have an age statement on it. Now there's no age statement at all on it. Um, I mean, I think the Henry McKenna has the most prominent age statement on it. It's got actually handwritten numbers. Um, and we'll kind of, I think we'll get into that in a minute. We're going to we're gonna talk kind of a little bit about why we like each of these bottles, Um but I think it's so crazy, everything that goes into the bottle and bonds, that it is totally worth the money to buy it. I think it's, it is a fantastic bottle. It's, you know it's good quality. You know what you're getting every single time. I mean, and I think like for the Evan Williams bottle and bond, it's a bottom shelf. I mean, like we found it bottom shelf, bottom two shelves. I don't think it belongs down there. Well, and so the reason I think that they're rising in popularity again, as I was saying, um, since the popularity is so high and, and companies or, or distilleries are having to take the age statements off there to keep the shelves stocked, you're still buying, and, and again, we're hitting the realm of my opinion here, so uh, take we, that for We love your worth. opinion. We love your opinion. So you're getting a Knob Creek, which is still Knob Creek, but it's not a nine-year anymore. Um, and so some people would argue that since it's not a nine-year, maybe the quality has gone down a little bit. You're not getting as old of a bourbon mm-hmm. and old as old of a bourbon. But you're still paying the same price for it to keep up with the demand. So when you're getting into bottled and bonds, especially those with age statements, you know for sure that it is at least four years old. You know for sure all of these regulations are being met. So you know for sure that it is hitting a certain quality standpoint where something that doesn't have that label on it, you don't know for sure. And you can trust, again, a lot of these distilleries, they've, they've got reputations and that's much more important right. in the information age right. because it's so much easier for us to go in and see what people are doing and verify what they're doing than it was back in the day. So, And we have I've, the Food and Drug Administration now too that helps kind of mm-hmm. keep that in track. Which they didn't have when Bottle and Bond was created. Right, yeah. This came in, in force before there was a Food and Drug Administration, which I think is funny. We're definitely much more concerned about our alcohol than we were about our food back in the day, which I, I totally get. Um, but again, I, that's why I think the Bottled and Bonds are rising in prevalence again because of um, what you know for sure that you're getting. And especially at the pri- price point that you're getting them at. Oh, yeah. I think for the price point, I mean... The McKenna and the Evan Williams are fantastic. I mean, 
Like kind of you're looking about 28, 25, somewhere 25 to 30 bucks, I would say, probably there. Mm-hmm. Uh, your Evan Williams bottle and bond, you're looking about 15. Old Granddad, 20 or so. Um, E.H. Taylor's a little bit more expensive. Uh, it's about 45, I think, is what I picked mine up for. Um, and I think that was on the low end. 45, I would say. 60 at the highest. I wouldn't pay more than 60 for it. It's, it's good. I just wouldn't pay more than 60. Mm-hmm. If I know I can get a bottle or a barrel proof for 75 to 80, I'm not going to pay for my small batch as much. Um, so let's just kind of jump around. Let's talk about what, what you're trying and what you like. Um, I just poured the Evan Williams bottle and bond. I think for the price of it, um, it's incredible. It's a charcoal filtered bourbon uh it's a sour mash i think it is a great everyday drinker it's something i try and keep very stocked in my house the price of it's nice if i'm you know trying to stay on the lower end of my bur- bourbon budget bourbon budget that's a bourbon a budget bourbon budget bourbon budget, budget. budget bourbon you know that's that's a tough one to say but if i'm trying to stay on the lower end but i still want some quality I think it is a perfect bottle for that. I think it doesn't get the respect it deserves, and I'm okay with that because it kind of helps keep the price down for me. Um, I think for the proof, too, it's really not that hot. No, I'm no. Tasting it, I would not have said it was 100 proof. I mean, smelling it, I, and that's the thing I like about all the bottle and bonds. They have this amazing aroma. Mm-hmm. I think... If you've never been to a Rick House, a bourbon Rick House, at any of these distillers, one, I would say you're missing out terribly. Two, buy a bottle and bond and just smell it in your glass. That is what every single Rick House smells like. That angel share that we talked about earlier, it just, it, it's this beautiful scent. I wish they had candles of it. I know that's weird to say. That'd but, be a great candle. Um, <laughs> but it's just it's this sexy aroma and it, it, it's it's so good i know when we did our first bourbon tasting like with the three of us together we had the e.h taylor we had the henry mckenna mckenna not mckinnon <laughs> mckenna and i just it makes me so excited just to smell them and then even just to dive into them i mean so evan williams bottom bond I think it's a go-to. Mm-hmm. I think if you are wanting to jump into Bottle and Bond, you don't want to spend a whole lot on something. You know, maybe E.H. Taylor is a little bit too expensive for you. Go for the Evan Williams. So I'm going to disagree with you just a little bit. Okay. Just a little bit because I love the Evan Williams Bottle and Bond. I would say if you are looking to buy your first Bottle and Bond. If you say what I'm about to, what I'm thinking, which bourbon I'm thinking on this table, I'm going to be very frustrated I don't know what you're thinking. We're, we're going to find out. Okay. I would say spend a few extra bucks, on average, maybe five extra bucks, and do the old granddad first. Oh, good. Okay. You, you were <laughs> not saying what I was thinking. No. Well, we'll, we'll get to that, that in a second. We'll get to that you know what I'm talking about. I now. think so. Okay. I would say the old granddad first. Um, only because compared to the other bottled and bonds that I've had, I think it embodies some of those... Um, flavor profiles better it is a little bit hotter 
Um, it tastes, it, it feels more like a hundred proof bourbon than the Evan Williams does. Um, but you don't lose anything through that. You okay. still get a lot of the flavor. You still get a lot of that aroma. Um, and we bought that bottle for, I think, 18 bucks. Yeah, I think it was 18 bucks. Like, that it, was a, a, it was at a Taco Bell run night. Yeah. And right. I think it went super well with Taco Bell. I think that's our... <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, Lucas is laughing. Alex is laughing at us. I think our bourbon pairings are anything at Taco Bell... Does it does Taco Bell? Let's be fancy for a second, gentlemen. Does Taco Bell pinkies up? Does Taco Bell pair well with bourbon? Absolutely, all kinds. I think that's going to be a show title, our show idea. What Taco Bell pairs well with bourbon? <laughs> you mean what bourbon pairs well with Taco Bell? Whatever. I'm kind of toasted over here. <laughs> I mean, I've had three pours of Bottles and Bond bourbon, plus the three other pours I had earlier. <laughs> to be fair to Kevin, not all Taco Bells are the same. Okay, can I give the spoiler for a show that we might have a little bit later no. down the road? No. Just know that you can give a tease. Okay, no tease. Sizzle clip. So if I go too far, you just yell at me, okay? I'll just cut it out later. No, just yell at me. <laughs> so, we have a Taco Bell here in St. Louis. All right, that's enough. That's It really is. Okay. You'll just have to tune in later. You'll, that is not the greatest... If that is not the greatest tease to a, a future show, I don't know what is. I don't either. We have a Taco Bell here in St. Louis, everybody. So, we're going to keep going. Just think about that. So, no, I, I would say bottled and bond. First try, go with old granddad. It's got a really good flavor. It is really cheap for the quality that you're getting. Again, that is another thing that I love about bottled and bonds. You are getting really good quality, especially in, in my soapbox for a second. I love the craft brewery movement. I love the craft distillery movement. I love that the market is open enough to people who want to come in these distilleries that are 10 years old, 5 years old, even 2 years old that are trying their hand at making whiskey and making bourbon and it's not just saturated by these distilleries that are 200 years old and 300 uh-huh. years old and, and all of those distilleries are amazing they make great stuff, so I love that but some of these distilleries, some of them are putting out products at 40 to $50 a bottle that I just don't think are quite worth it. And you can I would even say there's some that are brand new. One that in particular is brand new that just put out a bottle for $120. I'm not going to say names because I would like to try it at some point in time. Definitely. But the reviews I've heard are not good. And just when I mean $120, I mean you could get probably a bottle of that antique collection for that price. Under the right under the right circumstances. Right. All I'm saying is these bottles that we have here on this table, none of them break thirty dollars. Except, uh, except the Taylor. The Taylor. But I think that's the high end of the bottle and bond market. The Forester that I saw yesterday was eighty. Yeah, some of them are Okay, low. well I will say from what I've heard the average the Forester is where it's at. I think it's the nineteen or the eighteen uh 97 bottle. Yeah. Okay. But I've heard the 1920 bottle is where it's at. So I'm something s- else we'll yeah. have to try. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, on average, you're, on the three bottles that I'm looking at right now, 
20 bucks. Oh, yeah. For something that you know for sure is four years old, that you know for sure has nothing added to it. This is just pure, good bourbon. This is kick-you-in-the-face bourbon. Definitely. So, we've talked about Evan Williams. We've talked about Old Granddad. The next one I don't want to talk about. And not because it's a bad bourbon. That is nowhere the re- near the reason I want I don't want to talk about it. The reason I don't want to talk about it is because it is such a good bottle of bourbon. I don't want our listeners going out and buying it, preventing me from getting another bottle of it. <laughs> and I've heard countless article or I've read countless articles. I've heard people saying at Heaven Hill that we'll never run into an issue with Henry McKenna. That there will always be Henry McKenna. I just don't believe them. <laughs> it's it's too much of a risk. It is too much of a risk for this incredible bottle of bourbon. Well, here's the thing. Oh, okay. Already, hold on. Lucas is giving us his take. Let's. They've already been through a fire, a huge and, fire, and still came back with it. So I don't think we're at risk. They will do everything they can be it rebuilding a building to come out with this. And if you don't know what the Heaven Hill fire is, you need to look it up on YouTube. I mean... That's crazy. There's fires, and then there's fires. And then there's distillery fires. (laughs) I think one of the videos I watched once on it said there was a lava of flaming bourbon and alcohol going down the street. A lava. Would I say lava? You did. A river of flaming bourbon and alcohol going down their street. I think lava fits also. I mean... Because it looks... Just just go look it up. Take a word yes, for it. Yes. Go look it up. Lucas, what do you think about Henry McKenna? This is the, the second bottle. This is I'm your bottle. To the table. Not only is the Henry McKenna my favorite bottled and bond I've had, it's my favorite bottle of bourbon I've had. Wow. What do you like about him? It it tastes sexy, almost soury, and it's similar to what I like in like Irish whiskeys and stuff. Is more towards I lean towards it. Um, it does have like a smoky flavor. Um, it just I don't know. It just tastes good, and it's something that I can always drink. There's some of these that we have where I'm like, mm, I'm not really feeling that one today. The Henry McKenna is one that I have not come to that point yet. Can I just read? I think, Lucas, you gave a fantastic review of it. Let me just read another review. This is Uniqueness. This is from Breaking Bourbon. That's where I go to get all my reviews. Henry McKenna Single Barrel can be described as a traditional quintessential bourbon flavor profile with a potential for sublet hints of magic if you happen to find a special barrel. I want to talk about that in a second. We're going to come back to that. Uh, Credit for uniqueness is based on the fact that it is a 10-year age-stated bottle and bond bourbon which traits are unique which has a trait of unique flavor profile, results in it carrying less weight for categories, other categories for bourbon. Um, 
the flavor profile is not a bad thing as a quintessential flavor profile sometimes you know just what the doctor orders it's it's a perfect bourbon that's kind of paraphrasing what their reviewer said let's jump back to the find a special barrel so this is our second bottle of diving into henry mckenna mm-hmm. i hate to say it but our first bottle was better than our second bottle yeah Lucas, you said that when we first opened these today, or I guess when you opened it last night. Yeah. Or was it last night or was uh, it? It was a couple nights ago. Okay. You opened it, and the first thing you said today when you walked in is, this bottle doesn't taste as good as our old bottle, our first bottle of Henry McKenna. I don't know if that's just because that was like the original Henry McKenna we tried. Like, I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean every every barrel is going to taste different. Every you know they, these are different years. You know these there's a lot of different factors that are going into all of these, but uh, it doesn't taste bad. I think it tastes good still. This is a 2006. We had a 2005 last time. Yeah, and I think as we get deeper into bourbon and everything, we're going to figure out things that happen in those years that are going to change the flavor and everything, but. I think the other one tasted it had more depth maybe I feel like it had more textures this one has less and then maybe who knows this may be one of those ones where after we have it sit out for a little bit it's going to be better Uh, but it definitely I liked the flavor of it better before so Mm -hmm. I'll see if this one changes or another bottle changes back the aroma of this Henry McKenna wasn't as strong as the other Henry McKenna that we had. I felt like when we opened up the aroma, do you guys remember the first thing I told you of the first bottle? I said, this is a Rick House. If you've never been to any Rick House, just open a bottle of Henry McKenna, and that's what it smells like. This one I'm not getting as much. It's still a fantastic bottle. Mm-hmm. It's still an amazing bottle, but... And as much as I agree with you that it is not quite as good as the last one we have, it's also something that I really appreciate about bourbon and whiskey is that even though it's pretty much the same thing, it's still not quite the same thing. Right. It has, it was barreled at a different year. It was in possibly a different rickhouse. It has a different history and you can taste that in the bottle while still knowing that you're enjoying a good Henry McKenna you're getting something different than you got the last time. And it's like a, a different history in, in every pour and in every glass. And I think that's what makes bourbon exciting, is that you're not getting the same thing every single bottle. Which is also the same thing that makes it so frustrating. <laughs> that there's so many bottles out there, there's so many types of bourbon out there, that is your collection ever complete? No. Never. But is it fun to hunt these down? I think so. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think that's a great place to end today. Yeah, I will just want to say one last time. Bottled and bond. It, it's cheap, and it's delicious, and you know what you're getting. Even if you're still fairly new to bourbon, that is a great place to go to. It's definitely not a... You don't have to be an advanced bourbon drinker to appreciate everything about it. And we may disagree on where to jump off into it, but I think as long as you get something 
bottled in bond, you know you're going to get something that's good. And then I think you just dive off from there. You know, slowly get yourself in there. I think in a few weeks we're going to also look at possibly doing like our beginning bourbon, like our five beginner's bourbons. But even if you don't even listen to that, I mean, we want you to listen to that podcast, obviously. But, you know, if you're like, okay, where am I starting? Where do these three guys tell me to start? Go with the bottle and bond. So let's jump into our picks of the week. Let's let's wrap this up. Let's uh, kind of get this show going. Or wrapping up, I guess. We're, we've already been going long enough. <laughs> I, I feel like I've drank so much bourbon. My head is just spinning. But Yeah, you need to take a nap. I do. I do. So... Lucas, you want to start us off? Pick of the week. What are you going with? I'm going to go with a band that I probably found about a year ago. Uh, this is Jamestown Revival. They have an album called The Education of a Wandering Man. It's a really good one. Uh, I played a little bit of it for Alex. It's it's really good music to kind of... I mean, it's good to listen to anytime, but I like throwing it on when I'm barbecuing or drinking or I'm with people and stuff it's nice to have on in the background and everything it's just fun and upbeat and just nice to nice to tap your foot to okay Alex my pick of the week is going to be uh, a little more on topic and I'm actually going to go with the Evan Williams bottle of bond which is why I didn't want to talk about it as much earlier um, but for again the the bottle that I found I can get it for about $13 it is an amazing price for a good age on a bourbon. Um, Evan Williams, I think I said before, um, the bottled and bond is about five years old. So thirteen bucks for a bottle of five year old bourbon. Um, it's it's fairly available. I know the market availability is a little limited. St. Louis was a few months ago. Like we just got a huge shipment of it. I feel yeah, like. and we're a little closer to Kentucky. But if you can find that one, get it. Try it. it mm-hmm. It's one that I. Um, it's what I call my my decanter bourbon. It's what I keep poured out in my decanter for anyone who comes over that wants to try bourbon that maybe hasn't had a much experience with it. I think that is actually a really good starting point for just bourbon in general. I feel like it's a good one, too, to make cocktails out of if you want to. It's got a high enough proof to where it's not going to get hidden. Mm-hmm. It's a good, neat sipper. If you put a drop of water in it, it's not going to change it greatly. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's so good. My pick of the week, last week I did a knot. This week I'm going to do a knot as, as well. My pick of the week is not Henry McKinnon, McKenna, Henry McKenna and E.H. Taylor. And the reason it's not that is so that you fools listening to this podcast will not go out and buy it so that I can buy it and have it in my home bar. But buy it and try it. It's amazing. Just don't buy it in St. Louis. Don't so that buy is it. for me. <laughs> buy it, but don't buy it. It's great. You're going to hate it. Don't try it. <laughs> it's amazing. You should buy it. Buy one bottle of it, but if there's two bottles there, buy one, ship it to me. Ship me the second bottle. Or just come over and share it. Yeah, we love... You can be on the podcast. If you... I will put this out there right now. Okay? If you buy a bottle of E.H. Taylor... Elmer T. Lee, Henry McKenna, or any of the antique bottles, and you message us on Instagram, we will put you on this podcast. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. 
As long as we have samples. We will take the bottle from you. If you are a jerk, though, and say, I have one, but not share with us, you will not be on this podcast. And we will find you. No. And Lucas will take your bottle from you. We are not Liam Neeson. <laughs> from Taken. He probably would, too. From any movie. Okay, we need to move on. We need to wrap this up. So, oh, I feel like I've drank so much bourbon today. But it's been so much good bourbon. Like, I just want to fall asleep right here and take a nap. So let's just... We need to wrap this up. <laughs> All right, Kevin, where can they find you on Instagram? Uh, where can you find me? I don't know. Just look me up on Instagram. Um, you can find me at beer underscore bourbon underscore barbecue BBQ. Um, I just posted an amazing picture of all these fantastic old granddad or old granddads. Bottled and bonds. I'm looking at old granddad right all now. Old um I don't know. I just post a lot of bourbon, a lot of beer, a lot of barbecue. Kind of the namesake of the show. I'm I'm looking at the idea of starting a St. Louis Whiskey Society. I'm going to just throw that out there. I'm going to leave it there. If you're interested, message me. Uh, I'm ready for a nap. Right. Lucas, where can we find you? <laughs> you can find me at Lucas Ellers. And yeah, I just kind of post whatever's going on at the time. Uh, today I'll be posting about uh, the Aaron Bodie show that I'm going to be working at. So there's going to be a lot of stuff coming up there soon, I hope. And so we'll see what happens. And Alex, where can everybody see what you're doing? You can see what I'm doing at the.alex.experiment. Can find all my crazy experiments. I don't think they're that crazy yet. But what are you up to? Do you remember what experiment you're up to, <sighs> or have you lost count? Well, the count's on Instagram, so I don't have to keep it in my head. I want to say I'm in the 30s or 40s, maybe. Cool. So I've had a few on there. They're not always experiments. Sometimes they're just things that I think are hilarious. But you can find me on there. And I want to give again another quick shout out to Breaking Bourbon. Great website if you want to learn more about it, try new things, read some interesting articles. They've got some good stuff on there. Lucas, tell us the website if we want to buy merchandise. I'm ready to take a nap. <laughs> I can't even. If anybody wants to buy any merch or see what we have, uh, pretty soon it'll be showing what's going on and everything what we have planned. Uh, you can find it at Shop Beer Bourbon Barbecue. That's bbq.com. And if you want to email into the show, send us a voicemail, send us an email. We'd be happy to listen to it and maybe put it on the show. You can do that at hello at shopbeerbourbonbbq.com. Gentlemen, this has been a fantastic show. Bottled and Bond, amazing. Antique Collection, amazing. We're four shows into this. I love hanging out with you guys. You're the only ones I'd... You know, I mean, there's other people I want to drink with, but <laughs> you're my two picks. So, gentlemen, thank you. And remember, stay sauced on beer, bourbon. <laughs>